Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. Hey, it's Cornell, and welcome to the Build Wealth Canada show. With the multiple interest rate hikes that we've been experiencing here in Canada, many Canadians have seen their monthly cash flow take a hit, whether it's because you have a variable rate mortgage, a line of credit, or other forms of debt. So what are your options if you're paying more than you'd like on your interest payments? Or maybe you have that mortgage coming up for renewal and you're going to have to make that multi-thousand dollar decision on how you're going to proceed. Should you go with a fixed or variable mortgage when interest rates are high like they are right now? Keep in mind, too, that if you have a mortgage coming up for renewal, then you won't be able to get as good of an interest rate upon renewal as you did when you first got that mortgage years ago due to all these massive interest rate hikes that we've been experiencing. So to tackle all of this, I've brought on an expert that deals with these types of interest and mortgage-related questions every day, and that is the show's resident mortgage expert, Sean Cooper. Sean is who I go to and who I send friends and family to for any mortgage-related questions. He is the best-selling author of the book, Burn Your Mortgage. He is an independent mortgage broker, so he's not tied to any one particular lender, which actually gives him access to the top mortgages available in Canada across all the different lenders. And he's also been kind enough to answer for free any questions that you, the Build Wealth Canada listeners, have. So I've actually set up a special page for him. So all you have to do if you want to get your questions answered is go to buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. So just buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean, S-E-A-N. And there you can send him a message with your questions. Or if you prefer, you can even pick a time on his calendar right on that page for a phone or video call to get your questions answered with him for free. He is a licensed mortgage broker too. So I definitely also encourage you to reach out to him if you're looking to get a new mortgage or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, as at the very least, he'll be able to provide you with a short list of the best mortgages that he's been able to find across all of Canada from the 60 plus lenders that he monitors. And now none of this costs you anything and there's no obligation to get your mortgage through him or use any of those suggested mortgages. It's just good information for you to have as you're doing your research. So that link again to get in touch with Sean to get your questions answered and get his research on the best mortgages that he's been able to find in Canada is over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. That's buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean, S-E-A-N. And now let's get into the episode. All right, Sean, welcome back to the show. Hi, Cornell. It's great to be back. I hope you're having a great summer. Yeah, it's good to have you back again, except for these higher interest rates. Some people are definitely struggling, especially the ones that got their variable rate mortgage. So glad to have you back on here to tell us how we can deal with that, learn more about what our options are here in Canada, especially for those that are struggling with all of a sudden, all this debt that we have to deal with because of what's been happening. So essentially, after pausing rate hikes since January, the Bank of Canada shocked many by really starting to raise rates again in June. So what was really behind this? Yes, great question. I wish that I could know exactly what the thought process is, but basically the short version of it is that inflation wasn't coming down as quickly as the Bank of Canada wanted it to, and it just wasn't happy with the results there. And its fear was that higher inflation would be permanently embedded in the Canadian economy and we would be stuck with it. I've heard some experts say 
The Bank of Canada has about 16 months to stop out inflation and get it back to the level that it was at before. So that's why the Bank of Canada, it stopped process. That's why it decided to start raising rates again, because it just wasn't happy with how quickly inflation was coming down. Now, when you look at the inflation number, it may seem like it's coming down, but there's something else called core inflation, which strips out the more volatile stuff like energy and such. And it just wasn't happy with how core inflation was coming down. That was the reason that decided to start increasing rates again, which was a not so pleasant surprise for people starting their summertime to have rates going up like that there. But the good news is that there's only so much they can raise interest rates. I think this is more of a tweak when it comes to the rate. Certainly prime rate went up 4% last year. So definitely it's piling on the rate increases, but I don't think we can expect half point or three quarter point increases like we saw last year. It's more of a tweak of a quarter point increase here and there. That was a bit of a shock to people. They, they weren't expecting the Bank of Canada to, to raise rates. I think that we're towards the upper end of rates because they can only increase rates so much before people start protesting in the street. So we're not at that point yet, but it's a good time to look in the mirror and just look at your finances and see if you can truly handle these higher rates because people thought that was it for January. So definitely now is the time to reevaluate your finances and see what you can do if you are in a situation where your cash flow is getting even tighter than it was before. And some homeowners in Canada are actually facing a doubling or more of their mortgage rates when they have to renew. What options do homeowners have now in Canada? Certainly, if you locked into a fixed rate when the rates were like in the 2% or 3% range, you're essentially facing like a doubling of your mortgage rates. So the good thing is there are some options. Now, I just want to clear up some misconception when Interest rate, like when your mortgage rate doubles, that does not mean that your payment doubles. You're looking at about a like 30 to 35% increase in your payment. Um, that's just the way that the math works. I know math isn't the most exciting subject, but that's just the way it works. So uh, rest assured, you're not necessarily looking at a doubling of your payment, but still 30 or 35% increase in your payment. I don't know about you, Cornell or other people, but they're not really recycled for 35% pay raises that work there. So that definitely can be a tough adjustment to do, especially if you purchase at the upper end of your budget. Stress test only tests you that you can afford interest rates 2% higher. But the good thing is there are some options. Simplest option would be to look at extending the amortization period of your mortgage. Let's say your mortgage is coming up for renewal and you have 20 years left on it, you could extend it to 25 or 30 years. And by doing that, that would lower your payment. Now, there are some downsides to doing that. Doing that, it is true that you pay more interest over the life of your mortgage. But I would argue, yeah, you don't you really have to look at and look at your, your financial situation and say, do I want to live a life of austerity for the next five years if it means keeping my payment on schedule? Is it really worth basically eating craft dinner at every meal, I would say definitely not. I definitely, you want to make sure that you uh, handle the payments and like if you're finding that it would be tough to do that, that's when extending the amortization period can make sense. And if you come into extra money or get promoted at work or whatnot, then 
an option would be that you can still basically if you send your mortgage amortization to 25 or 30 years um, if, you, if you work with the lenders available through mortgage brokers that have great prepayment privileges you could still put extra money against the mortgage and keep your payment schedule on track but the good thing is if, if you uh, are finding your cash flow is tight you don't have to do that it just gives you more flexibility so that's something that a lot of people are looking in. Yeah, you might not need to necessarily refinance your mortgage in order to do that. If you have something called a collateral mortgage, you could essentially stretch out the amortization period to 25 years and there's no extra cost in order to do that. So yeah, you probably don't know if you have that type of mortgage there. A mortgage broker like myself can identify that. But yeah, it's just the reason to speak to a professional independent mortgage broker like myself just to see what your options are. Because yeah, if you get that renewal notice and and see what the payments are and it's not affordable for you. You may think that's the only option, but there are certainly different options available. That's really valuable, Sean. I'm glad you brought that up. I can see it being very difficult for somebody to say, okay, I'm going to increase my amortization period by an extra five, 10 years, because that means, okay, that means my, I will be mortgage-free even later in life and nobody wants that to happen to them. But I do like the options you brought up. How, okay, well, I guess, first of all, you mentioned the prepayment privileges, which is nice. Your amortization is longer, but if you're using these prepayment privileges, either like lump sum or increasing your monthly payments, I know we did that when we had a mortgage, you might actually end up having your mortgage just as long as before, even though you increased your amortization period because you're doing these prepayment things. But at least you have the option of adding that money in when you want, as opposed to being forced to take that amount every single month, because that can obviously hurt you with the cash flow side. Very interesting. And I see the other thing too, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, typically people have their mortgages for like a five year, right? Before they have to renew. So it's not like you're increasing the amortization for the rest of you have the mortgage because five years later, you decide, okay, we want to shorten the amortization period. Now, like let's say the rates went back down. Now you can shorten it. So now you're kind of back to where you were before, before all these interest rate hikes. Is that a viable strategy as well? Yes, that, that's a great point. You could choose to short it. Like for people that think maybe I'm not financially disciplined enough to put the money against the mortgage, you could force yourself to pay a higher payment. So yes, that's a strategy. Like when rates are higher, you can extend the amortization period. When rates are lower, you can shorten it again so that you stay on track. That's definitely something that you can look at, at doing. You want to stay on schedule and not have a mortgage for your entire life. For those that are dealing with mortgages now, Maybe their mortgage is coming up for renewal or they are about to purchase a new home and they're trying to decide between a fixed and a variable mortgage. I know we've covered this question before, but it seems like the answer can actually change quite a bit depending on what's happening in the interest and mortgage world here in Canada. So can you speak to that for anybody that is in that situation? What should they be thinking about? How should they be analyzing it to decide whether they should go for a fixed or variable rate mortgage? Oh, definitely. That's a probably the most common question I get from people, should I go fixed? Should I go variable? And it's not just an interest rate decision. You also have to look at what your future plans are. So first and foremost, what I ask clients is, what is the likelihood that you might sell your property in the next five years? Because the fact of the matter is with fixed rate mortgages, the penalty is almost always higher than the variable rate, especially the big, not to pick on them, but the big five banks, like the way that they calculate the penalty is very, very costly. Like you can end up with penalties into the five figures easily, depending on your mortgage balance and other things. So the first question to ask yourself is, what is the likelihood that I'm going to 
sell my property or break my mortgage, I might refinance. If you're pretty much 100% sure you're not going to break it, then a fixed rate can be um, something that you might consider. If there's a decent chance that you might break it, you just want to be careful there. Now, with certain lenders through exclusively available through mortgage brokers, they calculate their penalties in a fairer way than the big five banks. So if you like the if you like a fixed rate mortgage, but you don't like the potential big penalty waiting for you down the road, uh, we do have some options available through mortgage broker. Uh, that's the first question you want to ask. What is the likelihood of breaking uh, my mortgage? And then once you've answered that question there, then you can look at the whole fixed versus variable debate there. And the fact of the matter is normally when you're looking for a mortgage, variable is lower than the fixed rate. We're in a bit of an odd time right now. As an example, variable is actually higher than fixed rate. And the reason for that is because prime rate increased so much last year, uh, went up like 4%, which is like, we haven't seen rate increases like that for a decade. Oh, so that's the main reason. Variable is higher than fixed rate. And the other odd thing is that the shorter term mortgages are actually a higher price, higher than the longer term mortgages. Cordell, I'm sure when you looked at mortgages, like the one year fixed rate would be the lowest and the five year fixed rate, the highest, but it's actually opposite right now. The five year fixed rate is the lowest and the one year fixed rate is the highest. And the reason for that is I don't want to have a huge discussion on this, but essentially what it's called is an inverted yield curve. And what that typically has signaled in the past is we could be heading towards a recession that it's not always a hundred percent foolproof, but yeah, we're in a bit of an odd time because the five-year fixed rates the lowest and the variable rates priced higher than um, the than the fixed rates. So first and foremost, you want to ask yourself, can it handle the payments? Like you don't want to sign up for something like the variable rate and then the payments are not affordable for you. If you find that you can handle all the various payments, then really the next question to ask yourself after you've answered like how likely it is that you're going to be staying at the property is, where do you see interest rates going? And trust me, that's a lot more difficult to predict than many people thought. Like nobody really, I remember a couple of economists predicted prime rate would go up 2% last year. And many people thought they were crazy and it ended up going up 4%. So that just goes to show how difficult it can be to predict that stuff because there's always the unknown stuff that happens. Who would have thought there'd be a global pandemic or the whole Russia invading Ukraine, like it's hard to predict the geopolitical stuff like that. Yeah, everyone's an armchair economist. It's a lot harder to predict these rates than it seems. How you can come out ahead with a variable rate is if prime rate ends up falling. That's how, basically the way that you come out ahead because we're really at a high point at this point in time. If you're just concerned mostly about cash flow, then that's when it can make sense to lock into five, four or five year fixed rate because you're getting the absolute lowest payment possible. Uh, for some people, cash flow is the most important thing. So for them, they're locking into the longer term fixed rate. But for the other folks where um, where cash flow isn't the most important thing, maybe you might look at like going variable because if you believe that prime rate's going to be coming down sooner rather than later, maybe in the next couple years or, or three years, that's when you can come out ahead with the, the variable. Um, just the shorter term, the one or two year fixed rate, you have to ask yourself, if you're going with a shorter term fixed rate, are rates really going to be lower in, in one or two years? I really have my doubts about that there. Again, anything can happen. I just don't see rates really falling a ton in one year's time. So you're not really any better ahead. So I would say for those folks that aren't as concerned about cash flow, like 
maybe you might consider going with three or four year fixed rate if you truly believe that rates are going to be lower. So just to summarize again, ask yourself how long you're going to be staying at the property and then how important is cash flow to you? If cash flow is more important, that's when you might consider going to the longer term four or five year fixed rate. But if cash flow isn't as important to you, that's where you can play a bit more of the educated guess when it comes to interest rates. And that's when you perhaps might consider going with a, a shorter term mortgage, if, if that makes sense. And now you being a mortgage broker, I assume you work with clients because I imagine you get these questions all the time where someone asks you, okay, Sean, I need a mortgage or my mortgage is coming up for renewal. There's a lot of factors when it comes to that fixed versus variable rate mortgage discussion, like you just mentioned. Do you help clients sort of weigh those pros and cons to help them better decide? Is that part of what you do as your job as well? Yes. Why would I exist as a mortgage broker? I couldn't provide any value in that area there. Anyone can look up mortgage rates, but what I like to say is mortgage rates is a starting point. It's so important to consider all those other factors because yeah, you might have a good mortgage rate, but if you have to break your mortgage in the next like three years and you're facing a fifteen, twenty thousand dollar mortgage penalty, is that really yeah. the best decision? So it's so important to consider the terms and conditions of the mortgage. I really get people to put thought into that. Like I don't know about you, but I didn't learn anything at all about mortgages in school. It was all self taught. And unless your parents were homeowners, you really don't get to learn this stuff. So I really get people to think about and ask themselves those important questions when it comes to the terms and condition, especially the penalties, because we just didn't learn this stuff in school. Like, think about it this way. Even like you're booking a vacation or even buying a vehicle and you're just booking a vacation based on the lowest price possible. You're probably not going to end up going to a very nice place or having a very nice vacation. Right. Same thing about a vehicle. Imagine you're buying a vehicle and you're just buying the cheapest vehicle on the entire lot. You're probably not going to be driving off in a very good vehicles. So I, while I understand people want competitive mortgage rates, the same thing applies to mortgages. You pretty much get what you pay for. So that's why it's so important to consider the other terms and conditions because often lowest rate mortgages come with not so favorable terms and conditions that can really end up costing you in the end when it comes to the penalty or maybe limitations, like you're not able to break the mortgage unless you sell the property. Um, that's called bonafide sale clause. So yeah, I, I really get people... I really get people to think about the terms and conditions and educate them about the things that matter, especially the penalty, because you just wouldn't know that, unfortunately, because of the lack of financial literacy when it comes to mortgages as school. because I didn't learn anything at all about it. It was not taught on my end as well when I went to school. And yeah, the, the fixed rate mortgage penalties are probably the biggest shocker that I've <laughs> learned in this space. Just uh, having f family uh, paying, it was over $10,000 that they had to pay in fees because they were fixed. They were basically, they wanted to move and they couldn't port their mortgage over. And it was $10,000 extra, just gone. And no one told them about that when they were first getting the mortgage. So this was a complete surprise to them, but they had to move. And that's a pretty you know, hefty bill. We shop around for deals, try to get a $100 discount on a TV, things of that nature. It feels like nothing compared to some of these bigger numbers that we're dealing with when it comes to mortgages. So I'm glad you brought that up. And now a quick message from one of our sponsors. There are so many opinions on how to invest your money today, but it can be hard to find credible voices to rely on in the world of finance and investing. One resource that I turn to every week is the ETF Market Insights YouTube channel led by today's episode sponsor, BMO ETFs. 
Market Insights brings in industry experts, and their weekly episodes cover the hottest themes like inflation, infrastructure, healthcare, and more. Tuning in helps me stay up to date on what's happening so I can be a smarter investor. And you can also submit your own ETF questions to be answered on the show. So do yourself a favor and subscribe on YouTube to ETF Market Insights or visit etfmarketinsights.com so you can be notified when future episodes go live. And now back to the show. Sean, you talked about you being a mortgage broker here. Just for everybody on the show that listens, that maybe you're seeing Sean for the first time. Sean's the, the show's resident mortgage broker at this point. Like you see, things change all the time. The interest rates change all the time. The rules change. So I can't keep up with it myself anymore. And so basically when I do get questions regarding mortgages, things of that nature, I do send everyone over to Sean. And Sean's been nice enough to help and answer questions for Build With Kendall listeners. Even if you're not looking for a mortgage right this very second, he's still been nice enough to actually answer questions so that if you are ready one day, hopefully you use him as a mortgage broker. So we did set up a page for him a little while back that a lot of listeners of the show have used. It's buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean, just S-E-A-N. So buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. And in there, you can actually just learn more about him if you want, but also you can actually pick a time on his calendar and you basically can have a free call with him Sean has a mortgage broker. He only gets paid like if you actually get a mortgage through him. So it's not like you have to pay him some hourly fee or anything like that. And yeah, so he's been, like I said, nice enough to answer questions. You can book a time on the calendar. And also on below on that page, you can actually leave him a message as well. So if you're the one to talk to him live or anything like that, you could just leave him a message and he'll get back to you. Yeah. So Sean, thanks for for offering that to people, even if they aren't needing a mortgage tomorrow, you've been nice enough to help everyone and speak to them. And maybe did you want to talk about that a little bit more? Because maybe there's some common misconceptions about like how mortgage brokers are paid, things like that, just so everyone's well informed. Sure. So uh, as you mentioned, Cornell, anyone who's ready to book a call with me right now can literally book something right in my calendar. I don't know if you've used Calendly before, but it's as simple as just choosing a time that's convenient for you. And then I'll call you at that time. Otherwise, if you're not ready, you can simply send me a message. Hundreds of people have reached out to me through that. So I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or or need some help right now. But uh, when it comes to misconceptions with mortgages, I would say one of the biggest ones is people assume that mortgage brokers can only help you if you are buying a house. And that is not true. I've heard from quite a few people. I don't know how this misconception got started, but yeah, people think Mortgage brokers are only helpful when you're buying a house and you need the first mortgage. And that's definitely not true for anyone whose mortgage is coming up for renewal. That's where a mortgage broker like myself can come in handy because the sad reality is that about one in four people simply just sign on the dotted line when it comes to their mortgage renewal. And that's definitely not what you want to be doing because lenders don't reward you for your loyalty. Um, they're just kind of relying on your complacency and busyness to sign on the dotted line and just be done with it. When, when they want to win over your business initially, they make you a great offer, but they're just relying kind of on people being busy and just signing on the dotted line. So definitely you want to consult with a mortgage broker like myself. Ideally, you want to reach out about four months in advance and you want to ideally reach out four months in uh, advance of your mortgage renewal date. And the reason for that is because uh, as a mortgage broker, I'm able to secure a mortgage rate for you four months in advance, and you kind of get the best uh, of both worlds with that. If mortgage rates end up going higher, I have that rate secured for you and you're protected from mortgage rates going higher. And what we've seen over the last 
three, four months here as mortgage rates have constantly been going higher. So it's definitely in your benefit to reach out to me sooner rather than later. Cause if you just wait a month before your renewal date, you could have missed out on like lower rates. Uh, again, there's other things that matter, but all things considered equal, you could have missed out on lower rates. And ideally you want to reach out about four months in advance. And I can basically do like a no obligation review of the, what you're being offered by your current lender and see if there's better options out there. And there's almost always better options because like I said, the lenders just don't really reward you for the loyal. They're just sending you an offer, hoping that you accept it. And the sad reality is I've seen even some of the big bank doesn't happen every day, but some big banks have actually offered people the posted rate on their renewal notice, if you can believe that there. So definitely I want to clear up that misconception right now. Um, you're able to consult with a mortgage broker like myself for an old obligation review. Um, doesn't cost you anything. Just to see if there are better options out there, because like uh, we've spoken previously about the downfalls of big bank mortgages. And the good thing is you can correct it. Um, as mentioned, the fixed rates come with very hefty penalties. Yeah, if you have like a fixed rate mortgage right now that's coming up for renewal, it's the perfect time to switch over to uh, lenders that mortgage brokers work with, that they have a lot fairer penalty calculation. That way you don't have to pay the penalty. And yeah, another misconception that I get is like if a mortgage coming up for renewal and it's coming up in four months time, do I have to pay a penalty like switch over to the new lender? And the thing is we can basically, um, we can set it so that the mortgage switches over on your actual renewal date so that you're not paying any sort of penalty there. And one last misconception that I want to clear up, it's going to be costly to switch mortgage lenders. I'm going to need to like hire a lawyer or something like that. And yeah, I just wanted to clear that up right now. That's not the case. Um, these new lenders want to win your business. So they don't charge you any fees to transfer over your mortgage. And it's very simple to switch over your mortgage. It's only in an investment of, of time of about like a couple hours, something like that. It's not like a, a difficult process by any means. It's very simple. You could potentially save yourself hundreds or thousands of dollars over the life of your mortgage. So I don't know about you, Cornell, but I don't get paid $500 an hour or something like that. And that could be the equivalent of what you're earning by spending a couple of hours to switch over your mortgage if it means like a thousand dollars or more in saving. Yeah, those are some of the misconceptions I wanted to clear up. Awesome. And you mentioned four months as being this ideal time to start shopping around when your mortgage is coming up for renewal. So I imagine there's people listening, they have a mortgage coming up for renewal in a month, maybe like three weeks or something like that. So I'm guessing in that situation, it still makes sense to get some quotes from a mortgage broker like yourself. Were you just saying that four months is more ideal because then there may be a really good sort of rate or offering that now you can't really take advantage of because you're so close to sort of the end? Is that what you were saying? Yes. So basically what I'm saying is yeah, the way it works with lenders is like, let's say we're in a rising interest rate environment that we're in right now. If you reach out to somebody like myself for months in advance, we can, of course, other things matter besides the rate, but all things considered equal, we can basically like lock in the rates like right now, as opposed to waiting three months and then maybe the rates go up another half point by then. So that's the benefit or pretty much all lenders have what is called a rate drop policy. So. Basically, if rates go up, you're, you have that lower rate secured for you. If rates go down for whatever reason, I don't anticipate that happening, but who really knows? There could be some surprise event that causes rates go down. If they go down, then both lenders, we could go back to them and request the lower rates 
Um, we're able to do that at least once. Um, that's called a rate drop policy. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. It's kind of like a mortgage pre-approval. When you're looking for a property, typically able to get a mortgage pre-approval for four months. So it provides you with some certainty from a budgeting perspective. If interest rates, if mortgage rates were to go up, you have that rate secured. So it's just easier from a budgeting and qualification standpoint. So it's kind of the same idea for somebody with their mortgage coming up for a renewal, if that makes sense. Okay, just to make sure I understand, you're able to essentially lock in the rate for the four months. Yes, correct. But you aren't necessarily fully implementing the mortgage yet. If let's say the rates do drop, you can then just get another quote. And then let's say two months in, right, they drop. And then you can just get another quote for that lower rate, or you use that policy that you mentioned, like where they can drop it for you. And then you're able to take advantage of it that way. Did I understand that correctly? Yes, that's that's okay. okay. So it's like you're secured your rate, but you're not actually like signing the dotted line where yes, we're definitely going with this mortgage, but it's like something you have in your back pocket so that if the rates do spike up again, you can say, Oh, actually, like, you know, two months ago I did this thing and I actually have this lower rate secured. Now I want to implement it because it's like right before your mortgage comes up for renewal. Is that the right kind of way to think about it? Yes. I mean, you still want to sign the initial document because um, if you don't sign it, like typically with lenders within a few business days, like the rate will expire. So you definitely want to sign it. But what I'm saying okay. is that I can basically request like a new mortgage approval letter for the lower rate, and then you just sign the new one, and then you have the lower rates. So okay. Okay. No so I guess before doing any signing, you want to make sure that it has that sort of clause in there where they will adjust their rate if there is a drop. Exactly. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. That's awesome. That makes sense. That's really good to know. I mean, it's sounds like all positives. Why not do it, right? When you exactly. could secure a lower rate. Okay, that's great. So now with these higher interest rates, it's not all doom and gloom since tools like high interest savings accounts and GICs are now paying out more to us consumers compared to what they were offering when we had those rock bottom interest rates. I remember even some banks, they were offering like 0% in a high interest savings account, which was really funny. It's like, well, why would I give it a high interest savings account? Why not in a checking account? Because you're paying me zero anyway. I remember actually seeing that. It was pretty comical. Are there any tools or strategies that you are using yourself or that you're fond of when it comes to taking advantage of these higher interest rates? And how are you investing these days as well, especially when it comes to that fixed income portion of your portfolio where these interest rates really actually can have a significant impact? Sure. I'll let people a bit into my personal finances. You're not going to post my tax returns online or anything, but I'm happy to share kind of my thought process when it comes to managing my money. So I, I kind of look at my money and there's long-term money like for retirement that I invest in in like um, in the stock market for that because that's likely to provide a better longer-term rate of return. So we're talking about like ETFs and index funds and stuff of that nature. I just try to invest in stuff with a more reasonable like, management expense rate ratios that can eat away at your return. So uh, for long-term money like retirement and other long-term goals, like five plus years, I invest in the stock market. But for stuff that shorter term within that five-year range, I do a combination of um, high interest savings accounts and sometimes GSCs. But what I can say about savings accounts that I find that people aren't aware of is so many times they just keep their money in like the savings accounts of the big banks. And I don't know about you, Cornell, but the I've looked at some of these rates and I'm just surprised at how low some of these rates are. It's crazy. In a savings account, I've seen interest rates like half a percentage point or something really low like that. I'm sure it's moved up a bit now, but um, so many people I find are just putting their savings account money 
with one of the big banks and they just don't know that it's similar to like mortgage brokers with um, with mortgage lenders who have a different business model. Um, they don't have brick and mortar locations, so they're able to pass along the savings to you. The same thing goes with a savings account. There's, I'm a big fan of high interest savings account. I just find, don't find that the big banks offer you very good rates on that. So I'm not going to mention all the names there, but there are lots of great um, high interest savings accounts out there where you can easily like a couple percentage points or even more than what the big banks are offering. And that really adds up um, quite a bit. So for the money that you are going to be needing in the future, maybe it's emergency savings or vacation, like saving towards a vacation or home renovations or stuff like that. I like to keep that money sitting in the high interest savings account. And yeah, it's even though it's not at your home bank, it's as easy as like maybe it takes a couple of business days for the to move over the money. I'm a big fan of that, and that's how I manage my money. And I would say for also for down payment money, that's a good place to put it as well. If you're planning to buy a house, you just don't want to have that money in something volatile like the stock market. If you're going to be buying that house within the next several months or a year or two, because there just going to be too much volatility. You don't want to see a surprise correction to the stock market and the stocks like fall 30% and you lose all that money when it comes to your investments there. So um, that's what I personally do. And I didn't know about these high interest savings accounts several years back. Back. Yeah, it's as easy as filling in a form online and you can sign up for one of them and have tens of thousands of dollars over the year from these accounts because the interest rate is just so much better than the big banks. So just be aware if you have a savings account, the big banks are probably not like the, for the checking account, it can be good. Like if you're buying a property, you definitely want to have a checking account with one of the big banks because you're going to need to order like a bank draft or certified checking. Yeah, just with some of these online banks, it can be a very time consuming process, but Definitely for um, the savings account, look elsewhere because there are a lot better options I find than the big banks when it comes to savings accounts. They tend to offer the, I find the worst interest rates when it comes to savings accounts and to be perfectly frank. Is there a particular bank that you like to use for the high interest savings accounts? Am I allowed to attention name on, on the podcast here? Sure. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm keeping a, quite a bit of my money right now with Tangerine, but the thing that I don't so much like about them is their interest rates are promotional, meaning that they offer you a good rate for, I don't know, three or four months, but then it drops down to the big bank levels and they don't really offer a really good everyday savings account rate. I would say that I have some money with like, like Canadian Tire has a bank, has a high interest savings account. They offer decent interest rates on that. And some of the credit unions, like for some reason, like Manitoba has all these credit unions offering pretty good savings accounts rates on that there. A great website that I use is highinterestsavings.ca slash chart. And they basically have a chart that you can sort and they keep it up to date. And yeah, you can basically find like interest rate when it comes to savings accounts, as well as FSAs and RSPs when it comes to that. No, I'm not somebody that jumps ship and moves all my money to another lender. If one lender has a rate that's like 0.1% higher, if there's a big discrepancy, I'll definitely do it in that case there. That's what I, I basically check in like on a monthly basis and just see what the rates are at um, on the website or um, highinterestsavings.ca and you could sort by rate and that's really been a great tool for me. It just keeps, just helps me keep an eye on things because yeah, definitely there are a lot better savings account rates when it comes to outside the big banks. Yeah, I just see so many people keeping money with the savings account, uh, their savings accounts with the big banks and there's definitely a lot better options out there. Like I've just been appalled at how low the interest rates are offered by the big bank. Uh, definitely there are better options out there and that I'm a big fan of, of that website and, and tool there. That's how I keep up to date on all um, high interest savings account rates. 
Very cool. And then the rates that they show there are for those include promotional rates as well, or is that kind of their usual rate? Do you know? That that's rates for everyday Canadians because the what I find these days is it's similar to if you have some of these things, like if you shop at No Frills, they have President's Choice points and they tailor those offers to you. So with the Tangri offer, I might get an offer for a higher interest rate, but you might not. Cordell, they t- tailor it oh, to the okay. person. So what they show on there is available to everyone. It's not the tailored offers because there'd be no way of like posting a table yeah. for that because that really depends on the algorithm and whether they choose to offer it to you, if that makes sense. Okay. But as uh, you said, that, that's highinterestsavings.ca slash chart, right? That's the, the URL? Yes, I'm looking at it right now. Right? I'm a big fan awesome. of that there. If you're trying to save money for a down payment, Every little bit helps there. Yeah, that's yeah. A, a great tool. And they, they always keep it up to date. And there's even a where they just like special offers and different lenders because it's not just about the rate. You want to make sure that the lender has a good website and, and decent customer service. I would say website's yeah. most important there. But yeah, you So can, you can get your money out when you actually need it instead of like, oh, I got this great rate, but now I'm having trouble getting it out and customer service is a nightmare. Exactly. Yeah, I can could, I could see so that. I would definitely say interest rate is one factor, an important factor, but you also want to read the feedback from the people and they have a great web forum that you can, can visit to, to see what the customer service is before you sign up. Yeah, you don't want to discover it's going to be a real pain in the neck to try to get your money out when you need it. That, that's good to know. And yeah, I'll caution people about always re- kind of reading that fine print to see if it's a promotional rate. That's the one thing I got annoyed with is like I would get pitched these offers. And once in my life, I did it and it was like, okay, great. I got this higher rate for a certain period of time. And then, then the offer goes away. And now you're kind of what you were saying before with, with one of your banks. And then it goes back to this really low level. And it's such a hassle and it's really time consuming to open up a new account. A lot of the times with these banks, you got to sign things and read read a lot and, and that kind of thing and it's to do spend hours potentially opening up an account and then you get a higher rate for maybe a couple months or something it's like well how much money are you going to be keeping in there anyway how much are you making per hour for every hour of labor that you put into having this account exactly. for like a couple of months so i would caution people on that because it's kind of what you're saying with mortgages it's can be appealing to just kind of see that a rate that's attractive and go for it but the fine print's actually very important that can actually be what makes the deal good long term or not so sounds sounds good yeah the thing that i've been using for hydra savings account it's eq bank listeners of the show know they have like they're on this list here as well and i find with yeah yeah what i find with them is that they will at least in my history with them it's that they don't always have the absolutely highest rate out there because there's seems to always be some bank that's offering one of these like promotional deals where like, oh, for three months, you get this higher rate. And so they tend to not be those. But again, I don't like to play that game of switching from bank to bank to bank. It takes time. And <laughs> like, you know, if you calculate where all your money is as well. And then I also like to think like, okay, what's my an hour of my time worth? Am I doing all this extra work and I'm getting actually paid like a minimum wage when you when you factor the extra interest I got for those three months? That's what I've been using. But yeah, if anybody wants to help support the show, the link that I have with them, it's buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. So just the letter E and the letter Q. And that like, takes them to their site. And then if you sign up, it helps support the show. I've been using them for quite a while for my hydro savings account way, way before they were doing any sort of sponsoring of the show. So I just kind of thought I'd mention that. That's basically what I've been using. This site that you mentioned is it looks really valuable as well for, for shopping around. So thank you. And now a quick message from one of our sponsors. All right, I want to give a big shout out to Passive for sponsoring this episode. They are free to use and are literally the number one tool that I consistently use to manage all my investments. If you've been investing for any period of time, you know how important rebalancing your portfolio is as that's what allows you to consistently buy low 
and sell high with your investments, as well as ensure that you aren't taking on any additional unnecessary risk. Now, as critical as rebalancing your portfolio is, it's actually a manual and annoying labor-intensive process as to do it correctly, you have to log into each of your household's investment accounts and do manual data entry on a spreadsheet to figure out how much to buy of each investment every single time that you have money to invest. And there's always the chance that you make a mistake and miscalculate something when doing it yourself on a spreadsheet. So these days, when I have money to invest, I simply log into Passive, I immediately see what I'm holding too much and too little of in my portfolio, and Passive automatically calculates how much I need to buy of each ETF to get me back to my target across all of my household's accounts. Then in a couple clicks, I can have Passive buy the investments that I'm holding too little of across all my and my wife's accounts without me having to log in and out of each account to manually do the trades myself. I'm also able to see how my entire household's investment portfolio is doing across all our accounts in just a mouse click instead of manually having to add everything up across all my accounts. So they have a free account that you can use to try them out. And if you are a Quest Trade user like me, you also get their premium account for free. So it's a complete no-brainer. And I've personally been using them for years at this point. So I can definitely vouch for them as they have literally become my number one favorite tool for managing my investments. They saved me many dozens of hours when I'm managing and optimizing my portfolio. So definitely check them out. They are a fantastic Canadian company and you can get your free account by going to buildwealthcanada.ca slash free. Again, that's buildwealthcanada.ca slash free. And now back to the show. In terms of your fixed income portion with your portfolio, are you doing bond ETFs as well? Are you choosing between short-term bonds versus long-term bonds, or are you just going with the bond index? How do you tackle the fixed income piece considering what's been happening with the interest rates? A lot of this money is for my retirement, so I don't really have a lot of money in fixed income because my time horizon is a long time away when I'm made to draw down this money. I mostly like bond index of that yourself. I'm basically 95 plus percent equities. I just do total market index investing just to make sure we have some cash. So like I'll use a high interest savings account, like I just said, to have some cash on hand. And then there's some cash in the business as well, like with the podcast and all that. I'm basically extremely close to being a 100% equity investor. So I don't really have bond ETFs myself, except for the RESP. There, I just have an asset allocation ETF that I use. I use ZEQT. It's the BMO All Equity. Actually, no, sorry. I don't even have bonds in there because right now I have ZEQT in there, which is the All Equity BMO ETF. So actually, no, I have literally nothing in actual bonds in my own in my own accounts, RESP and retirement. I've just been using the, the high interest savings account just to have a little bit of cash flow just in case. But, but yeah, most of it is just in the markets and I'm just letting it ride essentially. So that, that's all that I've been doing. So my answer is easy. But then, yeah, then you get the volatility, right? So sometimes that's not very fun to deal with. That's the, the trade-off, right? Is you have to deal with that. But then that's why I have that high interest savings account cash cushion a little bit for those times where we, the market does take a dip and I wanted to recover a bit before taking any money out. So that's kind of the, the answer to your question there. For any of the listeners that maybe have some sort of debt and they suspect that maybe they aren't paying the absolute lowest amount that they could be paying on that debt. And it doesn't have to be some kind of really high credit card debt or anything like that. Just any debt that maybe they think seems a little bit high. With how much the rates have gone up, you could have a line, a line of credit somewhere, which used to be a really 
low rate. And all of a sudden, it's actually quite a bit now, not because you picked the wrong product necessarily, but just because the rates have gone up so substantially. What are the tools or options available to people in that situation here in Canada in terms of taking that higher interest debt and turning it into lower interest debt? I remember hearing from lots of people where they're like, oh, interest rates were so low. Now is the time we're going to do our home renovations. And even like all the ads you would see on TV and everywhere, right? Is, oh, interest rates are so low. Like you get this really low rate. And so people were thinking, okay, now is the time to get that kitchen upgrade I always wanted. And many people did. But now the rates are way higher and now they're paying a ton for that. What are the options available to them? Because I know on the mortgage side, there's certain things that you can do as well, whether it's like line of cre- home equity line of credit or actually getting that into your mortgage to get an even lower rate. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes, definitely. As you mentioned, people borrowed quite a bit of money and they didn't think that rates would go up as, as quickly as they did. Nobody thought really that prime rate was going to go up 4%, but lo and behold, that ended up happening last year. Many people that had a pretty attractive rate on their line of credit that now they're looking at, if you have a personal line of credit not secured against your property, you could be looking at 10 plus percent on your money that you borrowed, which can add up. Yeah, if you have some equity built up in your property and you're really struggling from a cash flow perspective, which kind of has been the theme of this podcast, talking about people with their mortgages coming up for renewal, I'm struggling with cash flow, the rates are higher. Essentially, similar to your mortgage, what you can do is you can look at rolling that debt into your mortgage and you've got to do it in a couple of ways. You could roll it into your mortgage balance, or you could use a line of credit to pay it off, a home equity line of credit to pay off like a personal line of credit not secured against your property. And the benefit of that is that, first of all, you lower your payment. Second of all, you save on interest as well. Like if you're really struggling and you have quite a bit of debt, it might be worth breaking your mortgage. But if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, it's a perfect time to have that discussion. And that's what I discuss with anyone that that talks with me. I look at their, I look for opportunities to help with their cash flow and help them save money. And that's yeah, definitely a perfect time to look at doing that because like the typical home equity line of credit interest rate is prime plus half a percentage point. Yeah, if you're at prime plus three, you could save yourself two and a half percentage uh, points right off the bat, which can add up to quite a lot in terms of helping with your cash flow and interest savings as well. So yeah, if whether if you're struggling with debt, and uh, if your mortgage is coming out for renewal, it might be worth breaking it because you don't want to be like eating craft dinner and struggling the next few years here until your mortgage renewal date. Otherwise, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, it can be an opportune time to roll that into your mortgage um, as other like a mortgage balance or come be line of credit. So, so yeah, definitely I'm happy to have that conversation with you just to see what makes the most sad guy. Yeah, you don't want to be struggling with that the next few years because I think everyone was caught off guard by how quickly the rates moved up and most of these things personal lines of credit are pretty much all on variable or floating interest rates so I think everyone's really feeling the pain right now especially like you said maybe took advantage of those billboards that they saw for advertising the low rates and lo and behold they disappear definitely it can be worth taking advantage of your mortgage and your property because mortgage debt is pretty much the cheapest debt available out there. Yeah, if you can lower your cost of financing, uh, might as well do that. I was going to ask you about that. The last time that I looked into this, my findings were that the mortgage debt is the least expensive. And then after that, it was home equity line of credit. So like a mortgage, it's secured against your home, which is what the banks view that as a very safe kind of collateral. And then after that, I think it was a line of credit where you were able to secure it against something like a secured line of credit. You're able to secure it against your car or whatever the case may be. I never took on that kind of debt myself in my life, but that was kind of the pecking order. The last time I looked into it, it was a mortgage, 
homework line of credit, and then sort of like other kinds of credit, but they're secured against some sort of asset. And then, of course, the most expensive or unsecured, like a credit card, for example. Have those been your findings as well? Or have you heard or learned anything different, especially when it comes to that pecking order? Because I'm thinking if someone's struggling, they have an unsecured line of credit, let's say, and they're paying an obscene amount in interest now in the thousands of dollars, then what are those options in terms of getting that number even lower? Yeah, definitely. The low hanging fruit is the equity in your property. So as long as you have some sort of equity built up in your property, you have some equity in your property, that's the simplest way to take advantage. It's not a complicated thing to understand. When debt is secured against something, it provides the lender with uh, more reassurance and security. So they're able to offer you their lowest possible rate. If you have unsecured debt and the interest rate is high and you're finding it hard to manage, the simplest way is to look at using uh, using the equity that you have in your properties. Those have been my findings as well. Interesting. And then I to sort of talk about that strategy that you mentioned earlier, where let's say they did that kitchen renovation using some sort of line of credit or, or maybe like unsecured line of credit, and now they're paying a lot of interest all of a sudden and they want to get a lower rate on that and their mortgage, let's say it's coming up for renewal. So they can now take on a larger mortgage with that amount in there, but now they're getting that lower interest rate. So they're consolidating their debt. I could see how some people might say, now I have a bigger mortgage, so I kind of don't like that either, even though I'm paying a lower rate. But then to your earlier point, how it's not like you have to be paying that amount forever because there's those prepayment privileges, like you said. So you're paying that lower interest rate to consolidate your debt. And now when you've got some extra money, you can use those prepayment privileges to pay that off quicker. And you're able to pay off a lot more quicker because you're not paying that way higher interest rate that you were paying on an unsecured loan. Do you agree kind of with that strategy, especially for anybody going from an unsecured loan to a secured loan against your house, where you're basically going from one of the most expensive to one of the cheapest, possibly the cheapest form of debt? No, I agree. Very well said. It really helps you in two main ways. It helps you first and foremost from a cash flow perspective, because people may be making the minimum payments on this unsecured debt. Their payments have gone up quite a bit with the rates going up. They Some people have seen their payment double or something like that from the bottom of rates to where they are today. So they definitely haven't seen their payment, their pay at work double or anything like that. So the second thing is so helping with your cash flow situation. The second thing is interest savings as well. Definitely, if you're struggling with that, it's worth uh, looking at. And for anyone that I work with, if I see any opportunity that or bring that up with them. If you're struggling with that, it's definitely something worth looking into. So I'd be more than happy to review that with you to see if that would make sense in your situation. Awesome. Even for people that are not struggling with that, you could be doing fine cash flow wise. You and your spouse may make a good income. From an optimization standpoint, it's painful to see I'm paying 3% more than I could, paying 3% more than I have to, because instead my mortgage is coming up for renewal, I could then take this, put it into your mortgage or even do a HELOC, for example. I guess if your mortgage is not coming up for renewal, then until that time, you could use a HELOC potentially because now it's again secured against your house. You're getting kind of that next lowest interest rate and you could use that as a tool against your unsecured line of credit that maybe you got with like a store or somewhere else. I think whether you're struggling or not, it's still the rational thing to do just from a optimization standpoint in terms of paying less interest. Because yeah, every dollar you save in interest is a dollar that can go towards paying off your principal. So why would you not do that? Right? So awesome, Michelle. Thanks so much. And also for offering help with, with people that have that question. So just to kind of finish things off here for anybody listening that has questions for you or would potentially like to work with you or just see your research on the top mortgages that you've been able to find here in Canada as a mortgage broker. I know you're always combing through the latest offers at mortgages here in Canada, just so you can kind of find the best ones for your clients. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the process is 
for Build With Canada listeners who want to get a free call with you, whether it's to get questions answered or whether they're actually do have a mortgage coming for renewal or maybe they're getting their first mortgage and they want your help. What's the best way? Thanks for having me again on the show, Cornell. And yes, the best way to get in touch with me is, as you mentioned earlier, visiting buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. That's S-E-A-N, Sean Connery spelling, but that's the easiest way to remember. Yes, you can visit that link. And if you want to speak with me right now, the simplest way and Cornell and, and me work together on this just to streamline the process as, as much as possible. But you can simply just click a link in my calendar will appear on that page and you can book a time to speak with me on the phone through a tool called Calendly. And if you never use the tool, it's very simple. You just choose whatever time is convenient for you, book the time, and then I give you a call at that time. It's as simple as that. Just provide a few details of what you'd like to talk about just so that I have an idea. Um, it's also helpful you, if you click a link that I provide and fill in the online secure online form because it just gives me a bit de details about yourself so that we can have a more meaningful conversation together. Uh, just some basic details about yourself because that way it just saves time on the phone call. I don't have to ask you all these details on the phone call. For people who aren't ready to book call with me, there's a form on the page where you can just simply enter your question there and I can answer it um, over email. Maybe you have a question about uh, home buyers or, or something like that there, or just not ready to actually book a call with me yet, then uh, that's the simplest way to get in touch with me. I've heard from hundreds of people and helped hundreds of people over the year, and it's been a pleasure and honor to help the loyal listeners of uh, Build Wealth Canada. And they're definitely people are very financially savvy by listening to your great podcast, Cornell. So yeah, looking forward to helping many more and uh, hopefully I can help teach people about mortgages here because unfortunately we don't learn about this stuff in school. So just trying to, I don't come from a sales background, I come from an edu financial literacy background. So just trying to share as much of the interesting things that I learn about mortgages with as many Canadians as possible so they don't end up with a fifteen dollars or $20,000 mortgage penalty surprise. I don't think anyone should have to learn that lesson the hard way. When it comes to mortgages, we're talking Ten, multi $10,000 decisions, right? When it comes to potential interest rate savings, things of that nature over your lifetimes, that definitely something that is, I would say, worth optimizing. It's not like we're clipping coupons here to save $10. I mean, like you said, if you can avoid paying like a $10,000 penalty, which happened all the time on some of these fixed mortgages, I mean, that, that alone is definitely worth a few, uh, some time to chat with Sean and try to optimize things uh, 100%. So yeah, Sean, thanks so much for coming on uh, again. And again, thanks for being able to field these questions. Things are always changing so much in this industry, not just with interest rates, but just different rules and regulations and stress tests and all that. So it's nice to have someone that I can rely on to help the listeners of the show when they do have any sort of specific mortgage questions. And I know you're always up to date on all the latest rules, regulations, rates, all of that. So thank you again for doing that. And then, yeah, for everybody listening, uh, the link again for Sean, if you do want to speak with him or if you just want to ask him a question, it's over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. So S-E-A-N. And that's it, Sean. So thank you so much for coming on and thanks for giving us an update and for helping us out. Well, my pleasure. It's always an honor to speak with the great Build Wealth Canada listeners. Awesome. Take care, Sean. Thank you. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please share it with someone that you think may find it useful. And of course, leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify is always super appreciated as well. I'd like to end with a big thanks to two of our sponsors who, apart from my investing course, literally keep the entire Build Wealth Canada podcast and website free for you. 
Our first sponsor is BMO ETFs. Do you know why asset allocation ETFs have become so popular? Asset allocation explains over 90% of the variation in a portfolio's quarterly returns. So it's no wonder Canadian investors are turning to these ETFs. Today's sponsor, BMO ETFs, offers these innovative all-in-one solutions with the BMO All Equity ETF, ZEQT, BMO Growth ETF, ZGRO, BMO Balanced ETF, ZBAL, BMO Conservative ETF, ZCON, and more. BMO developed these to help provide investors with ETFs that offer broad diversification and they're also low cost and simple to use. These ETFs invest in a number of underlying index-based ETFs and are rebalanced automatically back to your set asset allocation or mix of stocks and bonds. They offer a hands-free approach to investing that is built on disciplined weights to provide exposure to different geographies and sectors all in one solution. BMO actually offers eight asset allocation ETFs and you can learn more at BMOETFs.com. I'd also like to thank Passive, the investing tool that I use for my entire investment portfolio. You can get your free account in Passive over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash free. And you can see my portfolio and what ETFs I buy within Passive over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash portfolio. Passive is literally the number one tool that I consistently use to manage all my investments as it lets me immediately see what I'm holding too much and too little of in my portfolio and then automatically calculates how much I need to buy of each ETF to get me back to my target asset allocation across all my household's accounts. Then if I want in a couple of clicks, I can have Passive buy the investments that I'm holding too little of across all my and my wife's accounts without me having to log in and out of each account to manually do the trades myself. My other favorite feature is to be able to see the performance of my entire household's investment portfolio across all our accounts in just a mouse click instead of manually having to add everything up across all our accounts just to see how we're doing. They have a free account that you can use to try them out. And if you are a Questrade user like me, you can also get their premium account for free. So it's a complete no-brainer. And I've personally been using them for years at this point. So I can definitely vouch for them as they have literally become my number one favorite tool for managing my investments as they've saved me dozens of hours when managing and optimizing my investment portfolio. Definitely check them out. They are a fantastic Canadian company. And you can get your free account by going to Build Wealth Canada ca slash free again that's buildwealthcanada.ca slash free thanks for listening to the build wealth canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca